We've all seen the incredible horse and rider combinations as the backbone of our sport. But what about everything else that makes the equestrian world tick? From the everyday grind to the world-class professional, join the Equestrian Podcast as we talk about every equestrian discipline in a way that hasn't been done before. Now here's your host, rider, trainer, and influencer behind my equestrian style, Bethany Lee. Hey friends, and welcome back to the Equestrian Podcast. I'm your host, Bethany Lee, and this is episode 338. Our guest today is the president and co-founder of New York-based Hollowbrook Wealth Management, LLC. It's a leading independent wealth management firm that manages and advises capital on behalf of families, foundations, endowments, pension plans, and individuals. He also serves as treasurer of the United States Equestrian Team Foundation and the United States Equestrian Federation, as well as does a lot for the Lake Placid Horse Show. He is the chairman, and he also sits on the board of directors of the Hampton Classic Horse Show. So I thought he would be a perfect addition to come on the podcast, talk a little bit about finances and his involvement in the industry, especially with Lake Placid being right around the corner, one of my favorite horse shows. So without further ado, please welcome our guest today, Philip Richter. Hey, Philip. Good afternoon. How are you? Doing well. How are you? I'm great. Thanks. Well, thank you so much for taking the time. Um, Lake Placid is part of our wonderful show schedule, and we look forward to it every summer. So I'm excited to chat a little bit more about it. But first, tell me how you got started in the equestrian industry. Uh, I, you know, I would actually say it was my my mom and dad and my grandparents that got started in the equestrian mm. community, and I and I am just uh, fallout from that because they all had horses, fox hunters, jumpers. And uh, my grandparents actually met on horseback in Kansas City in the thirties. Oh, cool. And my dad's family in Germany had horses, and my mom's family here in the states had horses. So I kind of come by it, you know, by multiple sides of our family. Very cool. And yeah. you're an amateur show jumper. Tell me a little bit about your riding career and your horses, and um, where we might see you in the show ring. Yeah, I mean, I've been, uh, I've ridden in the high amateur jumpers, medium, high, medium, and low amateur jumpers for the last uh, many, many years. I did not really have an equitation or hunter career that was noteworthy. I kind of just jumped right into the jumper ring uh, after showing ponies. Um, I've been blessed to have some incredible mounts in my lifetime. Uh, most of them retired Grand Prix horses on their way mm. down, which is a wonderful way if you're an infrequent rider and an infrequent competitor it's and you're and you want to jump big jumps like the high amateurs today it's wonderful to have experienced horses that are used to jumping you know meter 60 Definitely. and are moving down to meter 40 meter 45 uh, and have great experience and uh and it's fun for them too because a lot of these horses are you know very competitive and standing in a field all day is is actually not their idea of a good time uh, right. Many of them want to stay competitive. So it, it's, it's a wonderful, it's worked out very well to have these horses over the years where, you know, I, I do a handful of shows in the summertime. I go to uh, the uh, old Salem in the spring. I go to Lake Placid in the middle of the summer. I go to Hampton Classic in the fall and then I'm kind of done till Florida. Mm. And so that's worked out really well for some older Grand Prix horses who can be very competitive, but can't go to the well every day. 
Right. And it's a, it's a wonderful life for them because they don't get used up. And it's a wonderful life for me because I can actually go in the ring and take a shot and, you know, have a chance of getting a ribbon. Definitely. You are also very active in the equestrian community, serving as the treasurer for the United States Equestrian Team Foundation, um, chairman of the Lake Placid Horse Show and, and quite a few more things. Why, why do you feel like it's so important to you to be involved in this way in the community? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm also, I serve on the board of the U.S. Equestrian Federation of the USEF. I'm on the board there. Uh, I'm the co-treasurer of the Hampton Classic Horse Show. Um, I, I think it's important because, um, you know, the sport has changed since I've been involved with it. It's changed so much. It was in the beginning, you know, back in the 70s, it was a hobby and it was a fun thing to do on the weekends. It's yeah. now a full-blown business, a multi-multi-million dollar business, uh, global in nature, stakes are high. And I, and I think in that environment, it's really important that from a federation standpoint, that we have really good governance of the sport, that, um, you know, that we are uh, providing a, a fair, a fair play field, uh, mm-hmm. an environment that's safe for horses and competitors, and that, that you have rules that are advocating the wellness, the well-being of horses. Definitely. Um, and, and that's really important as the sport has grown, like wildfire and the FEI, the USCF, the European federations, all of these organizations, they stand there. Uh, you know, as uh, you know, I don't want to say a police officer because most people love their horses and want to do the right things. And but there needs to be guardrails and there needs to be ground lines and there needs to be rules. And and that's what these organizations serve to do. And I think it's more important than ever that we have smart regulation, not uh, outdated regulation, but smart regulation. And then on the other side of it, the foundation of USCT, I feel it's I feel very strongly that you know given the popularity of the sport and moving it into a business realm from a hobby, it costs a fortune for us to be competitive uh, going to the Olympic games, for example. And we need to have uh, a mechanism to field teams and fund teams to, to go and be the best they can be at these uh, international competitions. And so the USCT serves a vital function in giving us the, the funding and the structure that allows us to fall within the USOC rules of, of fielding a team for events like the Olympics. And so I think that's sort of my, uh, my motivation. It's very rewarding work. It's all volunteer work. We work very hard. Everyone at the USCT, Bonnie Jenkins on down, everyone works really, really hard. And the same at the Federation. And the Federation gets a lot of criticism, but at the end of the day, you know, the sport without governance would would really cease to be, uh, you know, would cease to be what it is today. And um, and I think you only have to look towards the racehorse world to see what, you know, lack of governance, governance has done there and the damage it's doing. So we're, I feel very strongly about that. And as far as uh, the horse shows themselves, I mean, Lake Placid and the Hampton Classic have been a fixture of my life since the beginning. Uh, I showed at Lake Placid in ponies when I was seven years old. And, uh, you know, I continue to go up there and show my high amateurs and love it. And so same thing with the Hampton Classic. I've shown there my whole life and love those two shows very much. Mm -hmm. And so those are two of the biggest stops of the year for me. And so I like to be involved with them to make sure that they're, you know, can be the best that they can be. Definitely. I think what I love about both of those shows is there's 
so much that you can do that just makes it an enjoyable event like it's not in the middle of nowhere and you know even with like placid like it it has like the cutest little town and you can stay on the lake and there's just like so much that the whole family can enjoy um and both locations i think it just definitely is the highlight of so many rider summers I, i mean there's a reason why you know uh, these these amazing places uh, of history like the Osable Club or these beautiful camps on Lake Placid, these mm-hmm. incredible homes. There's a reason why, you know, in the 20s and 30s, people fled up to, you know, the Adirondacks and, and built these beautiful homes or joined mm-hmm. these amazing clubs to go fly fishing is because it's like the ultimate place to be in, in totally. the summertime. And to have a horse show and have all that in Lake Placid with a town that has, you know, great middle of the road hotels and then yep. some really extraordinary high end hotels if you want to, you know, play at that game and great restaurants and fly fishing and hiking and water sports and, you know, tennis. It's just, it's just unlimited and it makes, it makes it for a non horse show horse show, meaning mm-hmm. you get the best of, you get the best of competition and have a great time, but you're not, you're not relegated to a dusty venue all day long yep. and with nothing else to do. And it's right. also great when families bring their kids and, you know, there's oftentimes where a brother or sister is not interested in horses and doesn't ride, but right. wants to do other things. So there's lacrosse camps, there's hockey, can-am hockey camps. There's all this stuff going on at Lake Blasted all the time that, you know, the other side of the family can have some fun too. Totally. That's, yeah, that's a huge point. Um, and yeah. also as part of your involvement in the equestrian industry, you see a lot of the financial side of the industry. You're a treasurer of a big organization and, you know, work in a wealth management firm and compete yourself. So you obviously know how expensive the sport can be. What advice do you have for riders to help them be smart about budgeting for the sport like and specifically shows? Yeah. I mean, I think like anything, you have to make choices and you have to compromise sometimes. So, mm-hmm. you know, it may be a matter of maybe choosing some smaller shows uh, that don't have as high entry fees or don't have the commitment of going to, let's say a place like Spruce Meadows or Michigan bestows upon people. It's, it's very expensive to do that. And and it's also maybe about planning your year and saying, look, I'm going to, I'm going to splurge here and go to Lake Placid, but in August, I'm going to stay local and do these shows, or I might not show at all. Maybe I'll go have a clinic, get a clinic, uh, you know, ride with somebody mm-hmm. and learn something. Uh, I can spend $200 and do a three-day clinic for spending, you know, $1,000 going to a weekend show. Maybe that's a better choice for right. now. So it's about making decisions. And, you know, and I think as far as, uh, you know, veterinary care and, and horses. I think there's, there's certainly a lot of things we do that's excessive. That's probably not necessary. And, and, and maybe there's ways to cut costs there, but at the same time, we all want to do the right thing for our horses and make sure they're feeling their best. So, you know, if I have a choice to give my horse gastro guard or not give it gastro guard, I'm giving it gastro guard, even though Mm -hmm. that's a very expensive regimen. Right. So making those kinds of decisions, I think is, is really the key to that. And, and also, you know, you don't have to spend a lot of money to have fun with horses. I mean, to be honest, I mean, I love, you know, I, I show at Spruce Meadows and I've shown at the higher levels of the sport and Devon and all these places. And it, it's wonderful, but it's also a lot of fun to just set up and build a course at home and, and jump a great course in the ring at home 
or get a lesson from somebody, either your own trainer or someone you respect. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, this winter in Florida, I had a great circuit, but if you were to ask me what I had the most fun with, it was being at home at the farm, having lessons with Norman De La Joyo. Yeah. Right. I didn't have to go right. anywhere, right. you know, and even some days just riding myself, just having, mm -hmm. uh, putting it, laying out a gymnastic on the ground and trotting through it, cantering through it myself. And, uh, you know, like, like Bill Steinkraus always said, if, you know, if you can trot a pole on the ground properly, you can jump a ground pre-course. And so you, you don't need to always be at the top of level of sport, jumping in the biggest horse shows, and doing the biggest things. You can also do a lot at home that's fun uh, and also helpful for the horses. Yeah, that's so true. That's a really good point. And obviously we can all be as, as smart as possible with our money, but it, it still doesn't change maybe um, the just the idea of how expensive the sport is as a whole. So what do you think we could do maybe as an industry to make riding more affordable or more accessible? Well, I think, you know, and we're, and we're trying to do this at the Federation. I mean, we're trying to mm. lower costs, not increase them. Right. You know, we're trying to lower nominating fees. And, and, you know, when you go to a horse show, I mean, you have entry fees and then you have stabling fees and you have vet fees and drug fees. And I mean, they just, the fees go on and on and on. And so, yeah. you know, it's hard because, as someone who is intimately familiar with what it takes to put on a horse show, it's really hard to run these events, even on a break even level. I mean, the Hampton Classics are not for profit. Lake Placid's a 501c3 as well. And our goal isn't to make a killing. Our goal is to get people to want to come back next year and to have some money in the bank so we can turn the key and get the show going again the following season. And you know, the, the world we live in is one that's been fraught with inflation the last year, year and a half around there. Um, right. Costs are going up, they're not going down. And so, you know, we're trying as as management of, of both Lake Placid and the Hampton Classic, we're trying to keep our costs in check. Uh, but there's a real headwind with inflation. And 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 generally, the the level of things people require, I mean, the footing today you know, back in 1980, when I was showing in the jumpers in Lake Placid, the ring was really deep and really muddy and really rocky. Mm -hmm. And and part of your strategy was in the jump off to jump the left side of the oxer and land on the right because there was a giant pit from the takeoff <laughs> and landing that was full of water and mud. Yeah. Right. And yeah. so it, riding became not only technical and what the distances were and how your horse was going, but where you attacked the jump from where you could get some good footing. Oh. almost like a steeplechase type situation. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, now horse shows like the Hampton Classic, Lake Placid, we have to spend literally seven figures on proper footing. Right. And, and that all has to get paid for. So I, I don't have a good answer for, you know, how we defray the cost. My, my sort of feeling is the more people we can get excited about show jumping and the more companies we can get that want to back it as a sponsor to defray cost to the exhibitor like like what's done in europe it's a lot cheaper to show horses right. in europe than it is here mostly because of sponsorship partly because of the culture they have there and they're thriftier but really at the end of the day you know having sponsors makes it a lot more possible to to offload costs away from the exhibitor and and have them absorbed by the sponsor and then have the sponsor in turn have a great outcome by by selling a car or selling a, you know, an investment product or whatever it is they're selling. Right, definitely. 
Let's take a minute and talk a little bit about tack cleaning, because it's not just about having clean tack, right? It's also about the health and well-being of your horse that comes in contact with your tack, and having beautiful healthy tack that really lasts for a lifetime, because our tack is always quite an investment. So I want to talk to you a little bit about Sterling Essentials, because it's one of my favorite tack cleaning products. It's premium all-natural essential oil, powered leather cleaner and leather conditioner. And what I really love about it is that there are zero toxins or harsh chemicals, um, counterproductive ingredients, um, so it's just like a really, really great purely vegetarian product. Um, beeswax, food grade ingredients, plant-based oils, and premium essential oils. So not only does it smell amazing, but you can really enjoy the feel of really clean leather without all the sticky leftover cleaning product residue, soap scum, white film, glycerin, or the slipperiness or oiliness that's often caused by other cleaners and conditioners. So, for more information, visit their website at sterling-essentials.com. That's S-T-E-R-L-I-N-G-essentials.com. And I also have a promo code if you want to give it a try. So use the discount code Bethany, B-E-T-H-A-N-Y, for 30% off. This does not include bundles and terms apply, so you can see their policies on their website for more information. But I think it's a great opportunity to give some of their products a try. So, again, that is Sterling Essentials. Essentials.com. Yeah, I mean, it's it's hard. It, obviously, it's it's a question we would all love to try to find a way to answer. But I think, yeah, definitely, in terms of sponsorship, that would, would definitely help the the load. Yeah, and I think it's already starting. I mean, I think the USCF yeah. has been very successful in in getting some pretty significant sponsors exposed to the sport. Uh, the Hampton Classic. I mean, we have we have some really fantastic sponsors there. And then I think, you know, Florida's exploding, Wellington's taking off, WEC is taking off. And yep. these are the kinds of things now that that a lot of uh, companies want to be attached to. They want their brand attached to it. And so sure. if we can make the sport attractive, you know, for, a, you know, a company like Mercedes-Benz or Goldman mm -hmm. Sachs or, or whoever it is, um, that's a great thing because ultimately that will that will bring down costs and bring in more eyeballs into the sport. Definitely. Um, as we've already chatted about, the Lake Placid Horse Show is right around the corner. It's definitely a high priority show destination for many people, my team included. What do you feel like, if you could pinpoint, what makes this show so special? Oh, I, I mean, I think Lake Placid has an aura about it that other shows just could never remanufacture no matter mm. what. And there's there's something about being in the mountains. I mean, the view from there of Whiteface Mountain, the way the grounds are situated, you know, there's nothing better than sitting on the deck by the Grand Prix ring on a really, you know, puffy cloud day, beautiful oh, weather, yeah. horses going in the ring, the sun is out, like, it's just it's it's very hard to replicate that because we're all used to, um, you know, running from one ring to the next, and whether it's in Florida or whether it's in other shows, Lake Placid's just more um, enjoyable. It's it's a it's a place that, like we talked earlier, where you can do other things, where your family can do other things, and really, it's 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 just about having fun and enjoying the horses and enjoying the people and and the right. land. And so I, I think, 
you know, a lot of horse shows have great things going on. I mean, if you were to look at Spruce Meadows, it's amazing. But when you're at Spruce Meadows, it's 1000% about Spruce Meadows and there's really no time for anything else. And Lake Placid's really more of a vacation than it is a horse show. Totally. And, pe- yeah. and people view it that way. And I view it that way. And yeah, we've got some nice classes. We've got the Grand Prix and it's, we've got great course designers and we, we put on a good event, but people are there for many, many reasons. And mostly they're there to enjoy their horses, enjoy their time with their family and, and have a good, good two weeks. And so it's, there's very few horse shows that have that dynamic to them. What are you most looking forward to for Lake Placid this year personally? I am most looking forward to hopefully doing the Grand Prix uh, the second week of, of the horse show series. Oh, nice. I have, a, I have a really interesting new horse that is jumping fantastic. And uh, I'm hoping to move him up to the Grand Prix. I've, I've never shown in the Grand Prix at Lake Placid. I've, I've only done the high amateurs my whole life. And uh, I kind of am sitting on the horse of a lifetime. He's he's young enough. He's careful enough. And he's he's lovely to ride. And I feel very confident on him. So that's my goal. We'll see what actually happens. I, I'm not going to have time to ride between now and Lake Placid. So mm. um, that's a little bit of a, a tough thing. But uh, Norman will have the horses ready. And we'll give it a shot. Yeah, that's so as, as I As I always say when I go in the ring, when you know, people ask me, are you worried? Are you nervous? I, I just say, well, what could possibly go wrong? <laughs> so, you know, if you have that kind of attitude, it just sort of works itself out. Yeah, so. exactly. And I like, I like your, your light, um, your lightness on your plan, because it, it's just a, a testament to how long you've been a part of the industry and, and how you, you truly get it that of course we can have a plan, but something, you know, life or something always happens with horses and Obviously, that that is your plan right now, but it could change a bunch of times until then, and that's okay. <laughs> yeah, and if it changes and I only end up doing the high amateurs, I mean, frankly, the high amateurs in Florida are basically a Grand Prix in California. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's very, very big. And so that's still challenging and still fun, and I'll have a great time either way. Totally. What would you say is an area of the industry that you're passionate about that you feel like the rest of the equestrian world either just doesn't know a lot about or doesn't talk that much about? You know, I would say, um, that's, by the way, that's a very good question. I've never been asked that question. I, oh, love I it. think, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think, you know, one thing for me that uh, I think is undervalued, underappreciated and, and not really practiced is, is the value and benefit of sports psychology. And, you know, when you think about riding, it's uh, equestrian sports are, are really tough because there's so much technical uh, detail in the course to jump a course at any level, whether it's a, you know, a, a medium pony class or high amateurs or Grand Prix, the math is complicated. You have to do the right strides. You have to understand mm-hmm. your track. You have to understand your horse. You have to prepare your horse right. You know, you have to consider, uh, you know, how fresh they are. Are they sound enough? Are they feeling okay? You know, did you not do your homework enough? And then there's the whole mental side of it, which it, it is an incredibly mental sport because I don't, I don't know about you, but my horses, they know my game right away. They know if I'm having a bad day, if I'm having a good oh, yeah. day, if I'm on my game, off my game, they know right away. Totally. And so, I've been seeing a sports psychologist for quite a while on and off. 
uh, and and it's made a huge difference in my writing uh, because it, it's gotten me focused on a couple major things, and and one of those is just being you know highly optimistic about what it is you're doing, and you know optimistic athletes tend to win most of the time, and they may not win all the time, but they remain optimistic, and you see mm-hmm. this a lot in golf. There's a lot of you know examples of golf where golf kind of has the volatility of show jumping where you know one day you're you're winning the world cup the next minute you're getting spit off at an oxer and yep. schooling jumpers right totally. and, and that's and that's the way it rolls and so um i think uh sports psychology is a very important component there there are amazing people out there darby banami out on the west coast is an incredible sports psychologist she's actually an equestrian athlete um, Bob Rotella, who is a, a very respected golf sports psychologist, but mm-hmm. did work for the USCT in the 80s and has helped people of the likes of McLean Ward. He is extraordinary. Uh, he's written a book that I, I urge everyone to read uh, called How Champions Think by Bob Rotella. Uh, yeah. um, and so I think that's an area where I think we could all be better riders and we could all be better horsemen by kind of taking a moment and, and, and doing some work in sports psychology. Totally. I think the more and more people recognize how big of a component that the mental aspect of your riding is, I think the better, because I mean, it really truly is such a big part of not only your, not only your success, but also just your riding in general and with horses being so intuitive to how you're feeling and what you're going through in life and and what your headspace is that day. Um, you have yep. to be able to really have your mental game strong and positive. Yeah. And, you know, I was working with Bob Rotella this winter and, you know, he made the comment to me, he goes, you know, when you're, when you're walking the course, you know, you, you have to, you have to say to yourself, well, someone's going to win this class. Why not me? Right. If, if yeah. someone's going to win it, right. It might as well be me. Right. And, and so I think all of those things and they accumulate like snow because there's lots of different points like that. Uh, you know, one of Bob's other uh, um, things that he's taught me is that really like, you know, you can't be getting a riding lesson in the schooling area and you can't go into the ring, you know, thinking about all these different things that you have to do in order to get a clear out. Mm-hmm. Right. You, ha- you have to be uh, what he calls unconscious competent. Meaning right. that you're you're unconsciously riding your horse around the ring, and you're competent. You know what you're doing. You're you're letting the horse go clear, and you're there because you your your instincts know what to do. Your training has been long and hard, and you, you know what to do. Uh, but when you're conscious, uh, competent, where you're where you're constantly thinking about like I've got to do this. I need more left rein. I got to bend him to the right. I got a more right leg. Like you, you can't ride that way. It's just it's not it's too difficult. Right. Um, and so there's a whole lot of things like that lessons that, you know, you can work on and think about and, uh, and improve upon. But I would say the biggest one is, you know, being optimistic and, and when, when things don't go your way, really study why they didn't go your way and, mm-hmm. and understand what it was. And I think you'll find many people will find that a lot of it has to do with your mental state and you're, you know, you, you, you know, how you're thinking mentally. Totally. I love that. I think that's such a great point. 
Well, Philip, thank you so much for taking the time to come on and share a little bit about your story and all the amazing things that you're working on for the industry. I think it's um, so important to have people like you as part of the industry and and finding ways to continue to uh, keep it going and make it grow and make it better. So thank you for all that you do. And I wish you all the best. Great. And I hope I'll see you at Lake Placid. And uh, I urge everybody to get your entries in ASAP. I'm technically they've closed, but we're, we're trying to finalizing everything and, um, you know, see you there. It's coming up, coming up quickly. All right. That is all I have for you today. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you liked what you heard, please take a minute and write a review on iTunes. I would so appreciate it. It helps people like you find the podcast and it helps me get some killer guests. Thank you so much, and I will talk to you next week.